0: Welcome to the Barfly Podcast Season 2. My name is Jeff Burkhart, Barfly columnist for the Marin IJ, and author of the book 20 Years Behind Bars, and its newly released sequel, 20 Years Behind Bars, Volume 2, Parole Denied. Today, my co-host is Kevin Blum, Community Director for the online review site Yelp. Welcome, Kevin.
1: So don't worry about tomorrow.
0: So we're back with Tristan Merman of uh, Batiste Rum to talk about cocktails and, and the new uh, uh, era of mixology, or as I often like to think, the end of the era of mixology, because I think things are changing a little bit. In what I way? Think, well, I think uh, that, that throwing things together for the sake of throwing things together is changing where we're actually trying to make things good again. We're mm-hmm. stripping things back. It's not 25 ingredients now. Mm-hmm. It's starting to swing the other way where it's three or four ingredients and mm-hmm. concentrate well on those ingredients. Where before it was kind of like, you remember of California cuisine back in the day where it was like, let's take the craziest things and put them together. You know, We'll mm-hmm. put a grapefruit and a mango together or a grapefruit <laughs> right. and a, you know, a piece of charcoal. But that doesn't actually work, mm-hmm. right? So you kind of sift through that moment and you come back to that. That starts with grape-based spirits mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things with, with uh, something like Batiste Rum where it's it's a great spirit to start with. Well, I mean, for me, the story of, of American drinking
2: is, is one that I've paid a lot of attention to because I've been really curious about it. And I think, um, you know, the prohibition basically threw cold water on what had been a fairly dynamic and evolved process across the country. I mean, a country mm-hmm. was essentially built on the back of Applejack. And rum. I mean, mm-hmm. those were the two products. And then rye came in and, you know, right. gone from there. So I think what happened and you know, Mid two thousands two 8, everyone all of a sudden discovered that there was cocktails right. and, that, mm-hmm. and then what did that mean and there was this huge rush towards discovering pre yeah, like prohibition cocktails prohibition era sure, cocktails yeah. what was it like to have all these mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you you know there's hundred and one different variations on a gin drink and right was, you know on and on and on and on as people discovered you know they were beautiful and they were it was a kind of an interesting moment to watch how social media phones you know camera phones and all of that all kind of came together and you just saw this eruption of creativity around how things looked, and maybe how things tasted, and you know how complex they could be, and right. what we did with ice, and what kind of different glassware you used. And drinking be- went from the social aspect of going to the bar and and meeting one another and having mm-hmm. a drink and talking about the news of the day to Disneyland. Tiki being a wonderful example of the Disney- Disneyfication of, of bar life. Sure. I, oddly enough, I I see Tiki as an outset of the swing revival. If right, you yeah, remember, I remember that, that for that. a moment, yeah. you know, when, when swing music kind of came in and people started, you know, rediscovering what it was like to be somebody who had a martini and went swing sure. dance. right. Yeah. And then Tiki, that whole style existed, you know, back in the day mm-hmm. and was an offset of swing as well. You right. know, so you'd yeah. have, you know...
1: No, the, I totally remember that era. I, yeah. I remember participating yeah, in that era. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged, but yeah, Some of know, the memories come and go you know, a little bit, but, well, like, you know, like being in like your... 20s and 30s and you'd get dressed up in the era and yeah. you'd get excited I mean there were places in the city I mean yeah. some are still there Deluxe, like the, the, the Tonga
2: Room yeah, Club Deluxe
1: uh, uh, yeah exactly yeah. over on Haight Street yeah. um, there was a place the Bamboo Hut yeah. there used to be the Highball Lounge and yeah. it was a whole thing right. right. and so the drinks were part of I, I the entertainment. entertainment so
2: I mean that's you know for me what's what's intriguing about that is that drinking went from being a social interaction where mm-hmm. you would meet with one another and again talk the news or you know gather or whatnot. And to you know, straight up entertainment. You know, yeah. and it was all about the space, and well, all about what the drinks look like, right. and mm-hmm. the knowledge base of the bartender, and you know, them educating you on right. what you didn't know about right. drinking and out well, and trying new things and all trying the new time, things right? always. Yeah. So now you have a generation of people. You know, you and I are of the age where you know we're just getting interested in that. You know, mm-hmm. where in. Well anyway, so um you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't want to get too much. Yeah. Yeah. Well no, I mean it's not it's not that, but you were saying no. you were saying earlier about how, you know, when you grow up that you had your brand and you know, your brand was what you drank. In our in our experience, we were brand agnostic, especially because a lot of the drinks were really terrible. Was exactly you
0: right. Know. Well the idea of sharing a drink yeah. in my generation was yeah. sharing the same drink. That's right. We're both well, we're, we're gonna sit down and have a bottle of scotch. That's right. Oh yeah. yeah. Where we're for the next generation it was no, I want my own yeah painkiller number seven right. and i want to you know <laughs> a, a, a whatever right? right and and the difference in having two different experiences yeah. at the same time which mm-hmm. i don't think is any less valid no. i'm just no. saying it's a different thing yeah. but
1: i feel like the the if we're going to go with like millennial yeah. generation they're just kind of like what you're saying from we were just starting to experiment a That's little right. with it and that cocktail culture now i feel like millennials are into experiential you know, I mean, they're they're all about different experiences, mm-hmm. so they they want every a, time, every time, and right. they want a story that goes along with right. that experience. Right. That's something that they can then share with other people or on social right. media or do a little, you know, selfie. Right. You know.
0: Instagram is your perfect example. Exactly. Of that. Here's every picture is different. It's not the same picture right. of the same taco. Yeah. It's a, a yeah. you know, it's a different yeah. taco every time, right? I I agree with with that, and I would add that I think that
2: my original concept that you know people when they eat things or drink things will seek out high value Mm -hmm. and high value being defined as how good does it taste what's the effect on their body how was it made Mm -hmm. who made it you know and you know can they can you follow a chain all the way down to the dirt right and and come come away going yeah that's a high value product offers a high value experience after you've had a number of crippling hangovers from you know, <laughs> from wonderful experiences yeah, reason, yeah. God knows what but boy is it beautiful and tastes amazing right you know at a certain point you go okay I'm sort of fed up with the crippling hangover mm-hmm. which right. people are moving away from drinking mm-hmm. and then they say okay well my next new thing is going to be grass right but, you know, grass has got a crippling hangover to right. it as well. And, you know, you have to go up on it and hang mm-hmm. out with it for 60 to 90 days at a time. Right. You know, so it's, you know, the nice thing about drink is especially if it's good, well-made stuff where the ingredients are solid, mm-hmm. um, you can have a, a lovely moment. You can, you know, right. kind of put your personality aside for, for you know, a few hours and if you have a couple glasses of water and go to bed, the next day you can start over. You can function. You're still human. Exactly. So I think that, you know, one a friend of mine said to me recently is that, you know, the, the generations that came, the millennial generation, the next ones, the next ones, you know, they've grown up around an awareness for drug culture. You know, it doesn't matter the drug, mm-hmm. coffee, booze, you name it. Right. You right. know, they they they're aware of it and are much better at managing it than... My generation was and the previous right. generation because so, we had no frame of reference. And it was, it was and all and brand was, new and it was illegal. Pretty black or white. and white, <laughs> and it was the demon, right. and, you know. And so, right. mm-hmm. you know, so there's a a lot more fluidity around that. So into that environment, you know, what Batiste Rum stands for very clearly is fresh, clean, sustainable, mm-hmm. easy to use, easy on the earth, easy on your body. Right, like, yeah. that's what we advocate for.
1: So then, how do you convey that story to new Consumers, you know, like how do you introduce your product to market? Yeah,
2: so again, I've I've had the luxury and the the curse of having been in this industry as a supplier and mm-hmm. producer and marketer for now almost twenty years. Mm-hmm. Intensely frustrating from a financial point of view, but you know, <laughs> you know, fantastic from a you know a creative and a sociological point of view. So you know, you get to. Pick one you like, which one you want. And so, you know, people who come into this industry looking to make money have to be ready to spend a lot of money and not be in a rush. And uh, that's an anathema in, you know, in, an, in a in a modern American financial world. Right. I think it's changing now. I right. think I think the, you know, insto lottery winner of, of the tech world is finished for the most part because Ooh. it's, you know, all the air has been sucked out of the room on that. And I do think people are getting to where they invest in what they eat and they drink and they stand for So you have to catch them where they are, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there was this dream for a moment that if you did all this social media work and you did all these different types of advertising that, you know, that that would, you know, draw a crowd, Mm -hmm. um, in previous generations it did because it was brand new I mean, yeah. brand new sure. advertising is then. like oh my god this is amazing yeah. I found, I saw it on TV I saw it right. at the store right. no one has ever done that before right. Right. and you know same oh my thing god so, you got a blog It's you know, a lot, blog Then right? you know? <laughs> it was social media like oh I saw it on Facebook I saw right, it on Instagram yeah, right. amazing and then oh I can push a button and something happens sure. you know so I am for most of my life have been exhausted with advertising like mm-hmm. it's just like you know if it's advertised don't buy it because it's not good enough to stand on its own that sounds great but it's not necessarily true
1: so um, yeah because I'm curious there's certain brands like Goose and uh, The high-end top-shelf uh, spirits, I think people they order it because they saw it advertised. They saw it advertised, and, and they think it must be the best. And it's
2: a, and it becomes yeah. an entry-level product, right? Yeah. Right? You know, so you're in so your most popular. You know, most obvious products are entry-level products. And, yeah. and, if, you know, and if someone is comfortable with that, they stick with it. And if someone yeah, sure. says there's got to be something better, then they go after that. You know, mm-hmm. and they kind of move on. Hershey's was an entry-level chocolate. Yeah. You know, Starbucks is an entry-level, high-value high,
1: high value coffee.
0: Then you learn. Then you and learn. And, wait and, a and minute. And then, there are right. much better alternatives yeah, right. to this. Right? But
1: isn't the best form of marketing getting your brand, your in product the hands, in the hands in the of... Hands because that's the Absolutely. way to convert them. You know right? you could talk about it all you want, yeah. via advertising, but and there's gotta... a
2: lot of gatekeepers in the way of you getting in front of other people. Our purpose and what we promise to retailers uh, is that what we're offering is something, you know, on the on-premise side, in the bars and the restaurants. If they don't add a lot of weird stuff to it, mm-hmm. uh, someone can order four or five of them and feel really good. you know where where it's different than if you're drinking something that's got a lot of funny ingredients in it Mm -hmm. you can drink two maybe three and you start getting you know you start getting sideways pretty quickly with our product you don't get sideways you get you know you get elevated and you know again depending on what you put in it Mm -hmm. Um, uh, for the off-premise you know the demand for ecologically sound products that are clean sustainable eco-positive there's a demand for it and for a lot of stores they've got to They've got to have something to fill the category. right and in spirit, foods or something yeah. like that And, comes in, to mind, and right. in spirits, it's super rare, right? right. You know, people right. are talking about organic, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of, you know, okay, organic. You know, well, what does that mean? Right. Well, you know, who knows, you know, right. for the most part. Well, and in some cases,
0: yeah. like with organic wine, organic wine's not necessarily very good. Yeah. Organic production right. up to the point of making organic wine is yeah. good. And
2: you're starting to see people talk right. about biodynamic and, you know, natural wines that Mm -hmm. have no preservatives, have no, you know, have no changes to them, you know, primarily because of the histamine reaction to what they put in it. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so to your, you know, to get to, you know, how do you get someone excited about a new spirit, you know, for cocktail making? How have you done it? Um, A lot of in-person tasting. Really? You know, and you, you know, your army can marches only as far as how much money you have and how how long you can keep it in the field. So, you know... Our, pro- our progress is 100% reliant on our people who demonstrate the product in public. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how, how many of them can we get out there? How many can we train? How, many, how often can we do it? Right. And, you know, we started out with grand visions and we've come back and we've concentrated. You know, so now we're... Right now, our our true marketing focus is to have a good footprint in Marin County. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're sold throughout the state, and we have you know different people doing it different places. Sure. But you know, I'm from Marin. We're based in Marin. Yeah. You know how do we how do we start in a place? It's your home where, base. Where, yeah. Where, yeah. Where everybody here knows this product and can appreciate it, and they understand the the value of a fresh fruit. Mm. Juice cocktail that you know they can have two or three of, feel really good, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and go shit that didn't hurt, you know, um, you know, and in rum that's like yeah. you know never happens, right,
0: you know? right, right. So. Yeah. So, well, it's interesting, you know, again, back to the idea that that, that people, you know, are more open-minded to the entirety of the process as opposed to just what the the end result is. Also, kind of my, my, I was being a little facetious with the end of mixology, but my point being is that quality will will rise up every time. uh, Initially, when anything starts, there's a, a... big wave of all kinds of weird stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that falls away and the quality rises. That's almost
2: inevitable. So And the cycles for it are hard to understand. You know, like and because and in my opinion, spirits are volatile. Mm -hmm. Nothing that you drink can be set fire to except spirits. You know, and especially if you get fifty percent or more, they're immediately volatile. So this is the only thing that we consume that actually catches fire and um and for the one l- that we're
1: sipping right yeah. now <laughs> and you know so put that it, cigarette out yeah, so, <laughs> so if
2: you, you know if you're gonna put this in your body right right yeah. brand awareness is one where hey that didn't kill my friend last tuesday <laughs> I, I could give it a shot right, right. Yeah. you know where and so that that's where the length of time comes mm-hmm. in. even if, even if there were direct to market opportunities where i could just say hey i invite 50 people over and sell them each a bottle right away right there would still um, trial and error of like I tried it once it didn't hurt I tried it again mm-hmm. it didn't hurt the second time I tried it a third time it didn't hurt the third time oh this could be something I could use regularly and what I've noticed with Batiste and this is a shameless plug is that people who start drinking Batiste and drink it in you know fresh fruit driven cocktails or with simple waters mm-hmm. stop drinking everything else really they stop drinking beer they stop drinking wine they become loyal they, they become loyal yeah. because it doesn't hurt yeah, yeah. Quick question for you: yeah. What's your favorite rum cocktail? Uh, I make? like grapefruit juice, so I drink I drink uh, rum and grapefruit
1: juice, fresh grapefruit juice. Really? Uh, yeah,
2: and, uh, and and nothing else. Nothing
1: else.
0: Okay, uh, that's not as I mean, Hemingway Daiquiri is, yeah. is mm-hmm. a but I mean, it's you know, line, for me, it's it's a, it's a tincture. Grapefruit. You
2: know, I'm looking at this as you know, it's a tincture of grapefruit juice. So whatever the values of grapefruit juice are, especially fresh squeezed, mm-hmm. it ends up being you know assimilated throughout the body. Right. Um, you know, my partner, he likes a squeeze of citrus soda water mm-hmm. and a shot of Batis Rome. And yeah. that's what he drinks. Because right. he likes the he likes the effervescence and that kind of
0: well stuff. again this goes back to the idea of drinking less but better. Yeah. Right? And being mm-hmm. more conscious of less. that.
2: Right. I don't okay. know if I drink less. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well I'd say
0: for maybe maybe for the m- m- millennials yeah. and millennials the <laughs> right. where they're not drinking, you know, they're not drinking huge amounts, but they want something better. Just like they're not eating huge amounts anymore. i,
2: I I'd say, you know, you know, like you were saying earlier, people are you attach it to the millennials, but I think it's actually universal. I think people in general at this stage are going you know they want experiences they the yeah. the interest of time being a valuable thing mm-hmm. you know where how you spend your time with whom you spend your time you know mm-hmm. what what, do, you spend what the quality doing. of the time right. doing I think that is becoming a universal um, mm-hmm. and in in that sense, you know where you spend your money, what you put in your body, who you you know who you spend your time with I think that's becoming you know more and more a norm you know I, th- I think we're at the beginning of it but you know like you watch people get excited about sports or sports experiences or they their interest in how food in food sh- like the food cooking shows, right. Right. Food network from, you know, and all you know, that, that yeah. kind of stuff like you know cooking shows I think outweigh news shows at this point in terms of re- of, of, of viewership yeah. you know and it's I like,
1: get all my news from Rachel Ray yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know <laughs> so, so I went just, from Rachel Maddow to Rachel May uh, <laughs> so you just, you just kind <laughs> of it just I think people's sense of
2: time and sense of investment in what they do for themselves has changed a lot in, mm-hmm. in my own lifetime you know where at, i i can distinctly tell you that when i was in my early 20s it was all about how much money you can make and it seemed to be a universal you know mm-hmm. the man with the most toys wins right. you know it just seemed like that the message was acquisition of whatever it was and in the last 10 years i don't think i hear that message as much even though you know i'm next door to like fountain of tech wealth there's almost even a, a slight deplore of that like good for you you made so much money but right. you know at what expense and right. what environmental position and mm-hmm. you know you know what's that experience like and i don't know if it's... i mean that's a sense right? I, don't, right I wouldn't i wouldn't sit down one day and say this is exactly what's happening but you know that's that's so it gets back to you know where you put your money and where
1: you put your time don't worry about tomorrow take it for
0: today Please join us next time. We welcome Bianbo Garrett of King Floyd's Bitters in Nevada. My name is Jeff Burkert. Thanks for listening.
1: Have a drink on me.